wanted to look at uh, one of the unnoticed servants of Christmas, Luke chapter 1. We're going to pick it up, pick up the story with verse 5. It says, There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Or as Brother Keish used to say, Elizabeth. Okay. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances, and of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. I want you to notice when fear enters, faith departs. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He also will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit of power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now notice Zechariah's response. And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. Gentlemen, notice he did not call his wife his old lady. Just a hint. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God, and was sent to speak to you and bring to you these glad tidings. Behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be believed, be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them. And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. And soon, as the days of his service were completed, he departed to his own house. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked on me to take away my approach from the people." Now, drop down to verse 57. I know this is a long passage. Now, Elizabeth's full time came for her to be delivered. She brought forth her son. When her neighbors and relatives heard how the Lord had shown great mercy to her, they rejoiced with her. And so it was on the eighth day, which is the day of circumcision, that they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him by his father's name, Zacharias. His mother answered and said, No. 
He shall be called John. But they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who's called by this name. So they made signs to his father that he would have him called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, saying, His name is John. So they all marveled. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue was loosed, and he spoke, praising God. And fear came upon all who dwelt around them. And all these sayings were discussed throughout all the hill country of Judea. And all those who heard them kept them in their hearts, saying, What kind of child will this be? And the hand of the Lord was with him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to look at it, to study it, to read it, to apply it to our lives. And Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us in a very clear and understandable way. And give us hearts this morning to obey you. And Father, especially those who have never accepted Jesus Christ publicly, allow them to do that. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen. So I said I wanted to look at the unnoticed servant. When you read the Christmas narratives, there are some folks that are sort of on the sidelines, sort of in the shadows. They're not the main characters, but they're there. And we look at one this morning. Her name is Elizabeth. Now, there are several similarities that I noticed between the announcing of uh, the birth of John and the birth of Jesus. First of all, the angel Gabriel is the one who told both these women. Secondly, the births and the circumcises are recorded. And the prophetic utterances after their circumcision are shared. But there's one more thing. Both births have someone standing, as I said, along the sidelines. In Jesus, it was Joseph. And in John, it was Elizabeth. Elizabeth, as we're told in Scripture, was a priest's daughter. Now, she was a priest's daughter and, and a priest's wife. She was faithful. She served God. Yet in all the years that she had served God, she had no children. Okay? And yet, now, towards the end of life, she gives birth to a son. And the lesson for me and for you is this to remember. God blesses and uses the faithfulness of his servants. God blesses and uses the faithfulness of his servants. So we're going to see three things this morning. We're going to see the faithful partner. We're going to see the faithful proclaimer. And we're going to see the facts for present day. First of all, the faithful partner. Uh, notice the outer circumstances. Now, for Zacharias to marry a priest's daughter was a double blessing. He was a priest, and he had somebody who understood the priesthood, somebody who was a priest's daughter. And many in his day, many of his contemporary priests, probably uh, had a little jealousy towards him. But as the years went on, that jealousy turned probably uh, to scorn. And the reason was the rabbis of his day taught that if you didn't have children, you were an outcast of God. That if God did not bless you with children, that it sort of, he sort of excommunicated you, kicked you out of stuff. That's what they taught. And they're now old and advanced in years of no children. And probably a lot of their fellow priests, a lot of their neighbors wondered and whispered and probably talked among themselves. What do you think their sin was so great that God didn't bless them with a child? What do you think it was? Didn't that just sound like a good Baptist gossip session? You should say, no, Brother Gary, we don't do that. But they shook their head, yes, they know exactly what I'm talking about. You see, we need to understand that 
childlessness has always been painful. And it's especially painful in our day. I talk to many couples that haven't been able to have children. And, and they'll say, well, I just don't understand why God is not helping us. And they say, you know, I see all these people having kids who shouldn't have kids because they're terrible parents. And I can't have one. And I would love a child. And all I could do is say, I don't understand the ways of God. Okay. But he has something else for you. And it's still painful. And we need to remember that and not gossip about those people. Somebody say amen. Okay. And then I see the inner beauty. See, the outer circumstances, according to the Jews, said this couple isn't what they claim to be. But see, the inner beauty is the testimony of Scripture. Look at verse 6 again with me. It says, and they were both, what? Righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no children. See, the Bible paints a different picture of secret sin in this couple's life. The Bible says they were faithful. They were devout. In other words, they had a prayer life. They had an active Bible study life. They watched their walk. They, they walked in the ways of the Lord, blameless according to the law. What a couple. You see, I believe they probably were especially waiting for the coming of the Messiah. What better couple to give somebody a thing? And see, there's a tested reality here. Even though she didn't have children, they're faithful. They're faithful to each other. They're faithful to God. It says that Zacharias continued his priestly duties, probably while Elizabeth waited for him to come home. You see, he drew that lot to, to burn incense in the temple. With all the priests, you may or may not in all your service ever have gotten to burn the incense. So it was a high honor as he walked in there to burn incense to God. You see, they're, they're faithful in all they do, and, and yet... He doesn't have enough faith to believe the angel when he says, you're going to have a son and call his name John. And so he's mute. But as soon as Elizabeth finds out, there's great joy, she believes. A faithful partner. You see, she's faithful. And you don't see her complaining or anything else. You just see her being faithful because she knows where the miracle came from. When she withdrew for those months, it wasn't in shame or to hide. It was to praise God and worship Him for what He had done in their lives. The question I have is, when God blesses us, do we recognize the blessing? Do we praise Him for the blessing? Do we tell others about the blessings of God upon our lives? If not, are we being faithful? R.A. Torrey, the great evangelist, relates a story of in one of his evangelistic services, he met a young lady, and she always wore this locket. And he asked the pastor, what was the locket about? He said, nobody knows. Nobody ever gets to see it. Nobody ever gets to see who's inside it. We think she must have had a love in her, in her younger life, and, and that's a picture of whoever that is, but we don't know who it is because she doesn't share, and nobody gets to look inside the locket. Well, in a few years, she died, and Tori was back, doing an evangelist, and asked about her and said, yeah, we opened the locket after she died. He said, well, who was in it? The pastor said, just a slip of paper. What do you mean just a slip of paper? He said, oh, you need to understand what was written on that paper. You see, it was a little paper at these words, whom having not seen, I love. Whom having not seen, I love. See, Elizabeth in our story could have been that woman. 
Not having seen God, she loved God enough to be faithful. She loved God enough to do what she's supposed to do as a priest's wife. She, she carried on what we would say is a Christian walk. She was blameless because she was righteous before God. We need to ask, do we do that? You see, I don't see in this scripture Elizabeth crying out to God saying how unfair it is. I don't see her crying out saying, you need to do this or you need to do that. You simply see her being faithful to the God she loved. Sometimes our circumstances are hurtful. Sometimes they're hateful. Sometimes they're just not good at all. But rather than than blaming God, rather than complaining to God, we ought to be thanking God that we know Him and have a chance to be faithful to Him. You see, the truth is our faithfulness never goes unnoticed by God. There's coming a day when nobody else has seen the faithfulness that you have done, but God has written it down in the book of works, in the book of life, and you will be rewarded openly. Some of you help children in Sunday school, in team kids, in the children's choir. Driving the buses to bring them here. Some of you help others in your service. You greet them with a warm handshake when they come in the door so they feel welcome. You serve on committees to make sure the church runs. Uh, you, You do all these things behind the scenes. And don't you worry. Nobody else may ever say, thank you. But one day God's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come into the rest that's been prepared for you. God always knows our faithfulness or our lack thereof. She was the faithful partner. Are we faithful partners with God to do what he's called us to do? Or are we just like, nah, no big deal, it's just church. What attitude do we have? The second thing, I see the faithful proclaimer. It's over in verses 57 through 66, you see. I see the rejoicing. See, Elizabeth finally gets her time in the sun. She's, she's expecting a son, and she, she knows that his name's going to be John. And, and she's proclaiming her 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 great love for her Savior. And, and as Mary comes to visit, it says the child leaped in her womb because he's going to be the one who prepares the way of the Lord. Elijah, if you would, come back, you know, to prepare the way for Jesus. The Messiah is upon her, and she is rejoicing. She is burst to the sun, and the whole countryside rejoices with her. But also see the reason you see, they come to gather to see, we're going to name him Zacharias. Zacharias finally has a son. He says, no, his name is John. They argue with her. No, nobody in your whole family's named John. Why in the world would you call the boy John? And until Zacharias somehow makes it understood that he wants something to write with, he writes down, he says, his name is John. His mother and father publishize what the angel told them. They, they proclaim it. The reality is their faithfulness is rewarded. And when you look at it, it says the whole countryside talked about it, kept these words in their heart, and noticed that the Lord was with John and had a hand upon him. Now what I want you to think about, wouldn't that be great if we were so faithful the Lord's hand was upon Gasville Baptist and the whole countryside took notice and started thinking about God and the second coming and see Vince Lombardi that football coach that was 
sort of rascal used to say, winning isn't the only thing. Winning is everything. Well, I want to tell you something. By the world's standards, some of us aren't winners, but we're winners if in faithfulness we're making the effort to follow our Savior. Did you hear that? That's what everything is. The faithfulness. Are we proclaiming the good news of Jesus, not only at Christmas, but the good news of Jesus through Easter, the good news of Jesus everywhere we go? Are we proclaiming that Jesus came, He died, He rose again, that He touched our hearts and we have repented of our sins and placed our faith in Him? Are we telling others that they can have that same experience? If not, I don't think we're faithful proclaimers. You see, we need to ask, can we be used of God with whatever he wants to do? Did you hear me? Can we be used of God? Can you be used of God with whatever God wants to do because you have been faithful? Each of us has to answer that. Then there's one more thing. You know, that's a good story, Brother Gary. That's a quaint little Christmas story. But what in the world does that mean to me? Well, the facts for our present day is the third point. The facts for our present day. I've already stated one of them. You might not have have caught it, but I want you to catch it. Our service never goes unnoticed by God. I want you to write it down. Our service never goes unnoticed by God. I've got a scripture for you. It's out of Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 7. Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 7. And it says this. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit of God reap everlasting life. What you sow, you reap. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, but especially to those who are the household of faith. Now, did you hear that? God notices we're to be faithful. Write it down. Everything you do for God, you're sowing for the kingdom. Do you hear me? Don't lose heart. Don't grow weary. The Bible promises that if we don't, in due season, we'll reap. We farmed for a little while. I grew up on a really a cattle ranch, but we farmed for a little while. I didn't like it. We were in Kansas, which is a whole other story. I didn't like, I, I like driving tractors. It's relaxing. But when you have to go straight and the field is a mile long, I got really bored of it as a 13-year-old kid. And if you didn't do it straight, I had to redo it, and I got a spanking on top of that. And then not only that, once you put the seed in the ground, then you had to make sure you didn't have weeds. Then you had to pray for rain. Then you had to hope it grew properly, got warm enough. Then you had to wait for the harvest. And by the time the harvest came, I was sick of farming. But it did come. But we did have to wait. Not until it grew and grew the fruit, but until it ripened and was ready to harvest. Some of you are sowing and say, well, Brother Gary, I'm ready to reap. If you don't lose heart in due season, you will reap. What you've planted. The second truth for us is not only is our service never goes unnoticed. This. Don't judge anyone. Did you hear that? 
don't judge anyone for what looks like something's wrong in their life to us might have a totally different perspective to God. Everybody looked at their life without children because of what the rabbis taught. And yet to God, they were faithful. To God, he had a special blessing for them. Don't judge other folks. Do we understand that? Again, another scripture for you. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4 and going through verse 5. Paul says, For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not justified by this. But he who judges me is the Lord. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who will bring to light both the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsel of the hearts, then each one's praise will come from God. Don't judge somebody else in their service. Don't judge somebody else in what you think they're doing. Because it might have a completely different outlook from God. And I didn't say don't accept everything because Paul tells us all the time to test the spirits to see if they're from God. To look for the fruit. If there's not fruit there, something's wrong. But don't judge. I've also found out, don't say I would never do that. Because you're going to be in that spot and you're going to do that. You say, I wouldn't do that. Well, good luck. Because you're judging somebody else and God's going to pour it in your life. And you're going to see what you'll do or not do. Especially for your children and grandchildren. Don't ever say my kid or my grandkid will never do that. Because as soon as I uttered that, Matthew would do it. Just like his daddy. Ooh, that's bad. (laughs) But don't judge one another. The third truth. And we're going to close it out. God still blesses And looks for faithfulness today. God still blesses and looks for faithfulness today. As surely as he blessed the Old and New Testament folks for faithfulness. He's blessed down through the centuries. Those who call on the name of Jesus. And remain faithful to him. This church is full of people. Older and younger. If they would stand up today. They can give a testimony. That in the midst of all their circumstances. God is still faithful. Now you notice I didn't say that all the time the circumstances work out the way we want them to. But in the midst of the circumstance, God is still faithful. And we need to understand that. And he's looking for faithfulness. One of the true marks of a Christian, did you hear me? One of the true marks of a Christian is, have we remained faithful to our Savior? Do we love him enough to serve? Do we love him enough to give? Do we love him enough to tell others about Jesus, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads. Some need to come today accepting Jesus Christ publicly as their personal Lord and Savior. Some need to come joining the church by baptism or statement or letter. Some need to come for other decisions, but you need to come. And you know you're supposed to be up here. Some need to come in rededication of your life. To surrender to him. I'm going to pray. We're going to stand. Brother Ronnie's going to lead us in a hymn of invitation. And as he leads us. You come. Father God thank you for. Everything that you're about in our lives. Thank you for what you do for us. And Lord we just pray that your will be done. And that Jesus will be glorified in the midst of this service. In Christ's name. Amen.